right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're going back to the MCU for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the latest MCU film, which also happens to close out the trilogy of James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy films. And I know I'm a little hard on Marvel movies lately, but... I loved this movie, so I am really excited to talk about it. Joining me is Chauncey Talese from LA Podfidential, and we have a great conversation, lots of really great puzzle pieces. So that's coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. and. Don't forget, we do have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. It's patreon.com slash Rosen if you want to sign up. Keep listening to the show just in general. I appreciate that. But if you want to sign up and, you know subscribe to the patreon, that that's nice too. I, I love it when people do that. So uh, yeah. Otherwise, just keep listening, make sure you're subscribed, share the show, comment, like, leave some puzzle pieces if you think of some that we didn't bring up. All of that is very much appreciated. Keep on listening. Thank you for being out there. Let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. All right, it's time to go back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe again, but this time, I'm actually excited to talk about the movie. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and joining me is Chauncey Talese. Chauncey, how are you doing? It is an absolute pleasure to be here and talk to you about the MCU, especially when it's a positive one. <laughs> right? It's, it's rare. It's seriously rare for me, and uh, this is like... This is as far as you can go. This is one of my all-time favorite Marvel movies out of the very many, many, many of them we've gotten over the last 15 years or so. I know, and I saw like you and a few other people tweeting like, hey, this is good. I was like, oh, I'm actually really going to love this because like, I'm kind of a mark for this stuff, but like, and sure. I get it when people aren't into it, but like, I was worried. I'm like, oh man, like, is this really going to kill my vibe again? And then like, oh, the crankier people enjoy it. So I'm in good shape. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, no one was more surprised than me when I was sitting there in that theater just laughing and having a great time and getting emotional and everything that, you know, James Gunn and company wanted from us. I It was hitting me on every every angle. So, uh, yeah, very excited to talk about it, getting to some puzzle pieces. I got a bunch here. So, you know, rather than do the usual, just like getting started talking about the movie, blah, 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 let's just get into some pieces right away. What do you have for your first puzzle piece? My first piece is a big one because I, I can't imagine it wasn't an inspiration for this particular storyline. But uh, do you know the graphic novel We Three? I do not. So it's like about animals that were genetically tested and then they decide to break out. And um, I really feel like Gun drew a lot from this because it's also very tragic and they all be they're all friends. They're trying to help each other, um, just try to live elsewhere. And you know, there's tragedy abound, and this movie has that in fades like my wife and i had a real hard time with that part and then like oh, we had yeah. to, she had to hug her do our dog when we got home <laughs> oh definitely i hug my dog every day when i get home but you know still you definitely <laughs> definitely have to yeah i i don't know about this graphic novel i'm not really a big graphic novel guy but it sounds uh heartbreaking and potentially very good mm -hmm. and I, I forget who wrote it off the top of my head but like i know i it's one of those like i can't imagine gun didn't hasn't read this or at least seen it yeah 
for sure. Yeah, no, it sounds really interesting. Great piece to kick it off with. And yeah, the the uh, animal cruelty like angle of the movie, I mean, it's very deliberate and I think done really well. I know there's been some debate online about whether or not it's too maybe gratuitous or, uh, you know, kind of like leans into that too much or whatever. I, I think it's done really well. I know you know, PETA came out in support of the movie. I mean, like, it, it really does feel like it's coming from a, a, a good place of, like, you know, the, this villain is just the ultimate piece of shit, and, you know, our heroes are fighting back against it, and this being mainly a Rocket storyline, it, it really just fits so well, I think. And it's an arc that they've basically set up since the first one. Like, it sure. pays off. Absolutely. Well, I'll go to my first piece, um, a, a very much less heavy piece, but uh, I'm going to my favorite movie from that other superhero, uh, you know, timeline, the DC universe. I'm going with Aquaman for my first puzzle piece here. Um, just a jaw-dropping, visionary piece of over-the-top, insane comic book action, just filling the frame with so much interesting stuff visually everything that they could possibly fit into every single scene. And this is something that could backfire so terribly. We just saw it recently with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania as like a worst case scenario of trying to do that. And of mm -hmm. course, when we're dealing with all this like, you know, space travel and, and, and quantum realms and all these kinds of things like that, we're really running that risk every single time out with these kinds of movies and I still am a big defender of Aquaman. We have talked about that on the show oh, before. I, I think it's so good. And I, and I think James Wan did such a great job of like just going full throttle into a vision and just filling every single scene with as much as he could, but not in a overstuffed way, more in just like a painting a picture kind of way. And that's what I feel like when I'm watching these Guardians of the Galaxy movies in general, but especially this third one, I feel like it all just kind of solidifies and uh he james gunn now is like really really putting together something that is special and unique and yeah is overstuffed but overstuffed in a way that like everything finds a balance and you still get those stakes you still get um you know something where you can tell what's happening on screen even though it's so stuffed mm. um it's really a balancing act and he really nails it and in like one it's uniquely his yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a total vision. All right. My second puzzle piece, I'm um, going to the counter-Earth stuff, is the island of Dr. Moreau. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, animal-human hybrids. Like, where else did you draw from? <laughs> like, that's the apex for animal-human hybrids. Yeah, yeah, it's totally Dr. Moreau. I had that on my uh, possibilities list here as well. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's a really uh, interesting an obvious piece like it's like such a an obvious uh, parallel that you can draw there and this villain is is so good i mean i've seen a lot of people talking about this on twitter and i mean it was something i thought about like right when i was walking out of the theater was like i love this villain because he's just a pure and total piece of shit and sometimes that's cool sometimes it's great for a movie right and i've seen this debate because this comes up a lot with disney too and I think it's just we're swinging back to it because remember we liked nuanced villains because it's like okay well we have our we've had enough of our Gastons and our scars like our mustache twirling villains let's, let's get some more nuance in here and now yeah. we're the pendulum swinging back because it's like well the real world has enough like 
you know, mustache, I have enough like nuanced villains or whatever. So let's just go back to mustache twirling because that really reflects who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Is that makes sense? <laughs> yeah. So that, that's a great one. I'm going to go with another piece that like goes right into that same thing of like talking about the villain and his whole master plan of creating this uh, other earth with like a perfect society and all that. I'm going with Alita Battle Angel for my next puzzle piece. I have um, a similar puzzle piece for that too, but go on. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously there's like, there's kind of a cyberpunkish like, uh, design to a lot of these futuristic, like semi-humanoid creatures. And, mm-hmm. uh, again, like a huge work of vision here from Robert Rodriguez and Jim Cameron and, and, uh, the people who made the original manga. And like, there is just so much of that, you know, again, vision. That, that's like the big thing with this movie and a, a lot of my puzzle pieces I have here. It's like vision of something unique and interesting that doesn't just feel like let's just splatter whatever we can on the screen. It all feels like, you know, a, an actual world that is fantastical and over the top and insane, but also like really works. And to the mm-hmm. whole point of this villain's like, you know, plan of creating this this other you know, planet like that is kind of what the uh, villain in Alita was looking for too. My my puzzle piece accompanies that would be Shrek because it's very much Lord Farquaad energy. Okay, like I, I demand you know, perfection. I demand a perfect society. Meanwhile, he himself is not perfect. So, do you know that I actually? I don't think I've ever actually seen Shrek. Like I what? I know. Like I. I remember I was so out on Shrek when it first came out. Like, I just thought it looked so unfunny. And I might have seen it back in the day. But, I mean, of course, I'm, you know, Shrek is, you know, took over pop culture for a while. So I'm aware of it very much. But, like, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever actually seen the movie. Oh, like the, the John Lithgow performance is so funny. <laughs> like, it's one of those, like, they're totally, he's totally dialed into what the material asks of him. And, like, Lord Farquaad's such a good cartoon villain. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's a little bit of Mr. Burns in him too, where he's just a screw up, but also a megalomaniacal maniac. Nice. <laughs> so, like, when he's interrogating the gingerbread man, it's so funny. <laughs> Meg- megalomaniac. Megalomaniac. Uh, how do you say that word? Megalomaniac. I don't know. Megalomaniac. Now we, you can't either, now, huh? Megalomaniacal. There we go. There you go. Yeah, those guys are always so much fun in movies. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, great, great puzzle piece there. And, uh, yeah, I, I maybe I'll maybe I'll finally get around to Shrek one of these days. Like, yeah, we'll I think see. it's one of those things. Like you circle back to it now, you're like, you know what? This was way like a little overhated. Like I'll like I, once it gets to like three and four, I was like, okay, this is when it's worse. So I think one or two are still good. Like I'm on the island of they're actually not that bad and weren't poisonous to pop culture. Like get over yourself. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I'm gonna combine two puzzle pieces here because they both kind of deal with the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. and and this is. Uh, talking about uh, Rocket's little buddies that he uh, hangs out with in, in oh, the right. cell there, and uh, which is like kind of the main emotional crux of the film that Rocket was being experimented on with, with these weird little creatures who are all like animal hybrids. And uh, I thought of both Meet the Feebles, Peter Jackson's insane, mm. over-the-top Muppets uh, kind of parody-ish film, and the South Park Woodland Crit- Critters Um, (laughs) I mean, these guys are just so weird and, uh, just kind of deranged in a, like a almost too happy too like happy go lucky kind of way, even though they're in this horrible, awful situation. And, uh, 
it just totally reminded me of of those characters and just how ridiculous and insane and deranged they are. That's a good one. I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm like, well, then it'd just be nice to be the woodland critters. Because the woodland critters are very mean. <laughs> they are very mean. I mean, if they had gotten out and if the right circumstances had, like, you know, they, they might have, uh, you know, obviously rockets scratched off the high evolutionary's face. So, I mean, who knows what those guys could have done. And became a bounty hunter, which you lead me to my next puzzle piece, which is um, an actual, like, back to James Gunn's roots, is trauma with uh, the toxic, toxic Avenger. Because when the high evolutionary, like, heal his face off, like, that's what Rocket did to him. He made him look like the Toxic Avenger. But, like, yeah. the one eye bugging out, and just, like, it's all just raw muscle. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, he goes, wow. he like, goes from Toxic Avenger to being Robocop, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that's why, like, you know, Rocket is so he is obsessed with Rocket because like he can't understand that Rocket it could evolve from like that stage and like that's not how it's supposed to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, good one. Uh, another movie. Aren't we getting a Toxic Avenger like reboot from uh, Megan Blair with Peter Dinklage? Maybe. I don't know. That's one of those things I've been trying to reboot forever. Like, and no, and either just falls apart or just there's no interest in it anymore. Yeah, like, the crow is kind of in that same place too, but on a bigger scale. Like, oh, we've been hearing about a crow I've, for like 20, 25 years like, at least. Yeah, I, it, I think, I think we could use that. I think it'll be fun. But uh, he's the right person, <laughs> and because you have to keep the spirit of it, it's just a gross movie. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to go to uh, some of the other creatures that inhabit uh, this this movie, um, that are all, you know, they've all gone mad because, uh, as we learn, um, the process for creating them, uh, has made them all like turn into like violent creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like why the high evolutionary wanted rocket to, uh, to, to fix it all. I was thinking of smash TV, the video game, um, yeah. just these, I, I've been using a lot of video games lately. I don't know why that is, but as puzzle pieces, but just these waves and waves of just part human, part robot, part machine, like creatures just getting just splattered and shattered and torn apart. There's that whole hallway sequence in this that is just so oh, freaking yeah. awesome. And like those guys, they really do kind of remind me of the uh, creature design in that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just some really cool stuff there. I feel bad for that scene for one thing, though, because, like, Mario already had the No Sleep Till Brooklyn se- uh, action sequence, like, a month earlier. I'm like, ah, bad timing. <laughs> yeah, and I don't sure. think it deserved it as much as as Guardians did. Yeah. I thought Mario was fun. So. I know Mario was fun. I just, like, oh, yeah. they double-dipped. And I don't. I know nobody knew that was coming for either project. Yeah. So, like, it's just a weird coincidence. Yeah, absolutely. Just like we um, got all these true stories of brands movies all in, like, within the span of two months. Oh yeah, and um, but sticking with your with your same topic, I was gonna go with the fly. Sure. Cause, yeah. Because of the machine that melds the animals and you know creates them into these horrible things, like it yeah. felt very like I got like a small like a small fly homage. Like it doesn't yeah. go fight quite full Cronenberg, but close. The closest that we're probably gonna get in an MCU movie, that's for sure. Hmm. I would have thought like maybe if Raimi comes back for Doctor Strange three, you could see something like that. But maybe I don't know. Like that would be yeah. the only other thing. Or if they get if they do allow like Blade to get very weird, if that ever yeah. happens. Yeah, if that ever happens, that is that is right. Um, but yeah, great piece there, and uh, always great to bring the fly into a conversation for sure. Uh, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Uh, I will go with the Alien prequels for my next one, uh, Prometheus oh. and Alien Covenant. Um, 
we've got this uh, creator who is just kind of mad with power, who like wants to, uh, who wants to like find answers and create like a better world and a better society. And now his creation is like rebelling against him. And David, who is like the most interesting character in modern sci-fi, I think played by Michael Mm -hmm. Fassbender, um, you know, in a way, he's kind of in the same place as uh, Rocket here. I mean, very different movies, of course. This is like a, you know, big, you know, space adventure type of movie. Uh, whereas, you know, Covenant and Prometheus are are much darker and, and more, you know, just dreadful kind of like sci-fi. But uh, both where the, these uh, creations are basically rebelling against their creator and uh, it made me think of that and also just, you know, kind of the implications of creating some kind of life and what you owe to it and what it owes to you and all that kind of stuff. Y- you don't expect something like that to really be explored in one of these kinds of movies. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then my next one, it's sort of like, I, I, don't, I don't know who to describe this trope to because like Iron Man 3 does it, but I'm going to use Ocean's 13 as well. But like when a, when a main character gets, um, like uh, comatose, and then it springs the other, the rest of the team into action. Because like at Ocean's Thirteen, like um, Elliot Gould gets like injured by Al Pacino's people, and that's why they decide to rob the his casino. Or like sure. in Iron Man Three, the Mandarin blows up John Favreau, and so Happy's in the hospital. Like that that trip. But I'm gonna go with Ocean's Thirteen just because we don't talk about Ocean's Thirteen enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and sort of like a side puzzle because um, the idea that like Rocket like they can't operate on him because there's the kill switch thing. Um, that also reminded me of Hellboy too. Like when he gets stabbed with the uh, the staff, and it's like, oh no, if you keep going closer to the blade, it's just going to go deeper into the heart. So like that's mm. why they had to get him to the um, the Pan's Labyrinth creature that they found oh, in, sure. in Ireland. So it's like, yeah. oh, okay, those two things it triggered both of those things for me like simultaneously. Yeah, interesting. That's like a bunch of like really interesting stuff there, and I I wasn't even thinking about that the uh, the the idea of like uh, Rocket he having having the kill switch and like that being like the crux of the whole story and why they have to go on this adventure and like yeah that that's something that we've seen some version of that before you know Hellboy two is a good example of it but uh, there's definitely others where you know the person will die if they don't Alien two I guess you could say because they that's why they can't peel the face hugger off sure it's like oh I'm just gonna strangle more yeah there you go that works too so yeah good one there I like that um, I will go with Star Wars The Last Jedi, um, because Chris Pratt gets his uh, Princess Leia Mary Poppins moment here, Ah. (laughs) where he uh, gets ejected into outer space and almost dies, but he doesn't use the Force exactly, but, uh, you know, he uh, gets rescued. He uses Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock, that's right. Adam Warlock popping in. Who is another character in this movie that I loved? I mean, I you know, I keep uh, gushing about this movie. I, I even loved him. Me too. And I know people are like uh, divided on him because I know like in the comics he's like way more powerful and like not twelve. But I really like the idea to make him a mama's boy, kind of like um, Prince Charming in Shrek too. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I just came, Shrek. It just occurred to me that wasn't even a puzzle piece. It just occurred to me now. Like he's like this fierce warrior, but it's like total mama's boy, and like yeah. just kind of like a kind of a loser. Nice. I like that. That's great. That wasn't yeah. even in my next one, but because you brought up Star Wars, I'm like, oh, Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. The Florence and the Machine dance at the end reminded me of like the Ewok celebration at the end. Okay, sure. Because well, so. like they're all partying, like they've all earned it. They've all like really been through, you know, 
there are like various battles and it's like they're just blowing off steam and they're just so happy to be with each other again yeah why not lots of star wars in here so most of the guardians sort of was like just even from the first one like oh yeah this, this is their riff on star wars no yeah that's absolutely right um i will go with something that it actually took me a little bit of googling to figure this out um I had this memory from my childhood of some property that I loved where there was a garbage planet filled with all kinds of like ooey gooey trash. And the, in this movie in guardians of the galaxy volume three, we have this planet that's kind of a, uh, organic like mm. planet. It's like a ship planet thing. And it's like made of like, almost fleshy like material so it sent me on a, a little quest trying to figure out what this was and it was the original transformers cartoon it's the Junkion planet oh okay i haven't seen it since i was a kid so i i don't know i i don't know like how it works or what the setup was of any of that but that has been something that's stuck in my mind since i was a kid this planet that is out there in outer space just filled with sticky gooey goopy stuff interesting okay that's yeah. what it gave me. It wasn't the same thing because they don't shrink or anything, but it gave me like Fantastic Voyage vibes. Okay, sort of yeah, like that could fit like in there human, too. Sort of like inside a human body. Yeah, um, I absolutely. Mean, I would even go with last year's uh, uh, Strange. What was it called? Strange World. Strange World. Yeah, yeah, that works too because that's that's what they end up being inside of. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So like you could go with any of those, and they that all kind of fits that same kind of vibe of like what that weird crazy planet thing that they were on was mm-hmm. exactly wow you, you're really inspiring a bunch of these for me i was like oh i only have like x amount of puzzle pieces and you're just like taking one of me i love it yeah nice i love it well do you have any other pieces you want to bring up um team america <laughs> okay well because there's one specific sequence like where it's nebula drax and mantis are in the base and with the monsters from the second one that eat the batteries and like Mantis is trying to talk to them and calm them down with her power. And Nebula's like, no, you can't do that. Like your powers don't really work. It's like, and then that ends up like, oh no, they're scared. And they end up riding them. Like that's similar mm-hmm. to in team America when they're trapped in like the, the black Panther cage by Sean Penn yeah. and Martin Sheen. And it's like, Oh, you don't, you don't really have powers. And it's like, no, no, no. And she controls the, the, the black, the black Panthers to go attack Sean Penn and Martin Sheen. <laughs> that's what that kind of reminded me of. Nice. <laughs> That is awesome. And that, and of course, like, you know, I already brought up the uh, South Park Woodland Critters. So, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of that kind of humor in what James Gunn does just in general. So, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So for sure. I love it. Um, all right. I'll, I'll do my last puzzle piece. Um, I recently uh, guested on the Cultworthy podcast, and that is where I discovered this movie that I had never seen before from 1989, Arena. Have you ever seen okay. that? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's it's basically Rocky on a spaceship um, with a Ooh. whole bunch of weird, funky alien creatures. And uh, it, it's totally ridiculous. Um, but it's just, again, you know, I started this off with talking about the vision of the whole thing. You watch that movie and it's like just one of these like forgotten little sci-fi things. But like the attention to detail and creating all of these weird creatures and they all have like their own unique looks and they all like, I I remember when I watched it for that podcast and we were talking about the movie, I was like, I I kept thinking to myself, like, where are all these costumes and props now? Like, obviously that was pre CGI. Now everything in this was probably made with CGI for the most part. Anyway, uh, they set the record for having the most practical or most. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. 
Who had the record before? It was something... Oh, it was the Grinch. Okay. The Grinch has great practical effects. And then a lot of the sets, especially like the Nowhere set, was like pretty much all practical. Like obviously spiced up with CG here and there, but like those are real sets. And even like the Organic Planet, I think, was a lot of sets. See, and that makes such a difference because, I mean, not to go back and shit on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania sure. again, but, like, you know, when you, when you watch that movie and you can't even tell that he's getting small or big because everything is mm. just a blip on a CGI screen, like... That's the only, the only one I haven't seen. Like, I just never got to the theaters to see it because, like, stuff was just going on, so I'm, like, I'm waiting for it on Plus. But, like, that's actually the only MCU I haven't seen yet. But yeah. I'm, like, nervous. Yeah, it's... It's not good, but um, <laughs> yeah, Arena is my last puzzle piece. So uh, yeah, r- really just weird, crazy stuff happening on a spaceship. Lots of lots of crazy creatures and uh, a lot of fun. So I will uh, read down our list of puzzle pieces here. We started off with the Wii 3 graphic novel, then went on to Aquaman, The Island of Dr. Moreau, Alita Battle Angel, Shrek, Meet the Feebles and the South Park Woodland Critters, The Toxic Avenger, Smash TV, The Fly, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, Iron Man 3, Ocean's 13, and Hellboy 2, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and a bunch of other Star Wars, Shrek 2, The Junkion Planet and Transformers, mixed with Fantastic Voyage and Strange World, Team America, and Arena. Lots of weird, out there, crazy puzzle pieces, but uh, it's kind of a weird out there kind of crazy movie so um wow and <laughs> what a send off for gun yeah seriously uh you know love or hate gun like he really pulled this thing together and uh, i think i don't know i to me it's crazy to not like look at these guardians of the galaxy movies as like a real shining spot in the whole mcu mm-hmm. regardless of how much you love the mcu movies in general i agree like, I rewatched one and two just because, just and I, I was getting ready for the third one. I'm like, man, these are just really good. Like, yeah. you know, people shit on two, and I don't really know why, but like, two is so full of such good stuff. Like, I know it can feel a little bloated, and mm-hmm. like, at the, the end fight does get a little marvel y, but like, yeah. man, there's some good stuff in here. Like, and it's all done to the purpose. Yeah, one day I'm going to revisit, especially after how much I loved 3, one day I'm going to revisit 2. I didn't, like, hate it or anything like that, mm-hmm. like, but it was definitely, like, a step down from the first one. The first one I love. I mean, who doesn't Me love too. the first one? Yeah, I think Ego's a better villain than um, the Ronan the Accuser. Even though, like, mm-hmm. I appreciate Ronan more, because I'm like, he's, Lee Pace is just going for it, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, he's really chewing it, and I appreciate that. I just wish they gave him a little bit more time to breathe. But then again, they're yeah. trying to feel that they're still feeling their way through all of it. So, like, it's a miracle that movie works at all. Yeah. It was funny to think about, like, when that was coming out, they're like, okay, like, I think Marvel's at a wall. Like, who's going to see a movie about a, rock, about a raccoon in a tree <laughs> with the dude from Parks and Rec? Yeah. Or as I call him, the dude from Strangers with Candy, the movie. Oh, but. that too. Um, <laughs> but like, and I'm just like, oh, from like this guy who made like one like horror movie that bombed and like a little superhero movie with Dwight from The Office. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Like, there why did they him? And then he had to fight for the soundtrack, which is so funny to think about now. I know. <laughs> it's like the best-selling um, non-original soundtrack of all time. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 knows what he's doing. I guess maybe we should trust him with whatever he's doing with Superman. Uh huh. Like I've seen like, the cast list. I'm like, there's people that I've never heard of, but I'm like, that's just because I'm old. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. I'm like, okay, I know Nicholas Holt. I know like Rachel Brosnahan and like one other person. Like I don't know who the other people are auditioning, but Godspeed, I guess. <laughs> 
Well, the only other thing I wanted to bring up with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is uh, there, there's been talk about how it has the, the first F-bomb of the uh, MCU. Yeah. And fuck, like, what a great one. Like, it is so perfectly calibrated, I feel like. D mm -hmm. Did you uh, get a good laugh out of that? Oh, yeah, our theater loved it. <laughs> Yeah, fantastic moment. Uh, really, really fun stuff. And uh, yeah, I think that does it for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Is there another movie you watched recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Uh, I mean, it's been a lot of rewatches. Um, honestly, like I, I, I don't get to go to the theater that often. Um, mm -hmm. So like next week, I'm I get to do Fast X. Hooray! Um, sure. So like I rewatched Sin City for the first time in like years. Oh, like nice. it's a movie like I watched a lot in high school. Go figure. And then it just yeah. kind of like stopped. And then I watched it the other night because it was on HBO. And, and I was kind of going on a Robert Rodriguez kick. And I'm like, hey, I haven't seen this movie on a high-def TV before. Like, mm. it looks great. And, you know, some of the stuff, I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, I remember this still being a little extra. And, but I'm like, I appreciate some of these performances a lot. And I didn't the first time around. Hmm. It's, it's actually funny that you bring Sin City up uh, as your, your recommendation. Because I was literally just like two days ago thinking to myself like how is it that i've i haven't revisited sin city like in at least a decade and i used to watch that i probably watched that movie same. like 10 times same i had like the special edition dvd so like you the, the second disc you could just watch the individual story and then it have like five or ten minutes more of stuff you know yeah like i like saw the special features because i was just like wow this looks really cool how do they do all this and then i just it just was dormant forever yeah. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like edgelord to the max. I'm like, okay. But then you watch it again, you're like, yeah, it is. But like, it's, there's a charm to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be a fun one to revisit for sure. That, that could actually be a good uh, Breaking It Apart episode. Uh, I think oh, about yeah, it. Like, but... although, I think most of the Rodriguez catalogs on HBO Max is they have that hypnotic movie with Ben Affleck. Um, sure. So I was like, oh, that's still done. I oh, when's the last time I saw that? Yeah, like, me neither. Uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, Desperado, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Those are good. He's underrated good. catalog. It's a very yeah. weird catalog, but like underrated. Absolutely. I, Faculty's I on there. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Throw that in that list too. But uh, awesome. Chauncey, thank you so much for joining me on the show again. I think, was this number five? This is my five timers club. Oh boy. I got my jacket. And, and I know and I get to be back in about a month for elemental. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, in the meantime, where can people find you and your podcast? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Big Chance 64 And my podcast is LA Pop Potential. We are right now covering like mostly the, the NBA playoffs and the Dodgers, but like superhero news, we cover a lot. We cover all the movie trailers. I'm watching all the can reactions, like all Hawk, especially mm -hmm. when we get to like Flower Moon and Asteroid City. Um, yeah, so we oh, do yeah. a whole bunch. We do LA sports, but then we also just do deep dives into pop culture. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody check out LA Pod Potential and Chauncey again. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And I look forward to you being on my show in August when we do our uh, fall, uh, fall end of the year preview. I'm looking forward to it. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best picture, and some personal picks, some cult classics. 
Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Thank you to Chauncey Talese for joining me on that one, and congratulations on being a part of the five-timer club. Everybody, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you are subscribed. And if you really enjoy the show, maybe drop us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. I'd really appreciate that because it helps make sure the show gets seen and heard by more people. So drop your five-star ratings and reviews. And, of course, make sure you're subscribed. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about the Patreon that I told you about at the top of the show. So that does it for today's episode. Let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And, you know, poor Rocket uh, getting put through all kinds of awful things in this movie. Uh, I'm going to go to my album of novelty songs about my pets, the Pup Pups, which, believe it or not, I've been talking about this for years and years and years it's almost done, guys. It really is. And uh, I'm going to play a song from the Pup Pups. This is about my dog, Sadie, who uh, passed away a few years ago. I talked about it on the show. But when an album is delayed for 10 years plus, um, you know, that does happen. And we miss Sadie every day. We love the rest of our animals. But this is a song sung by my dog, Sadie. She used to always get in trouble and uh, do things that she knew would get her in trouble. But she did it anyway. This is a song called I'm in Trouble by Sadie Pup. So hope you enjoy it. We will be back with more piecing it together. And uh, the Pup Pups album is really coming very soon. But we'll be back with more piecing it together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.